Welcome everyone to this episode of Manufacturing Talk Radio. I'm Tim Grady, even though it says Lou Weiss there on the screen. Lou is out on assignment, so I am doing the hosting today and I'm speaking with Nancy Lamaster, who joins us from the Institute for Supply Management. Nancy, welcome to the show. Thank you, Tim. Glad to be here. Nancy is the committee chair for the Hospital Purchasing Managers Index Report. We have been doing this report I think a little more than a year now, and it is a fascinating report. It really gives you insight into what is happening to an industry that is under incredible strain because of COVID. Nancy, how are the hospitals feeling now? Well, Tim, it's it's a very dire situation. I think that, you know, we have the, the metrics from December. But as we've seen unfold on TV every day, uh, things have continued to get more challenging through December and now starting January. And if you look at the numbers, the PMI in December was 63.8, just slightly down from November at 64.5. But the business activity, so how much work is going on in the hospitals, came in at 71 and that was the highest rating in 2021. So the hospitals were very full. And if you look at the new orders number, which came down seven and a half percent, you know, that tells you that um, there's demand, but they're not able to get things scheduled. In fact, the backlog number came in at 74, up three and a half percent. And that's the highest since April of 2020. So what is occurring is we've got very full hospitals. We've got people with needs um, that are not able to get scheduled to get into those hospitals. And if we look at the employment number, um, it's still contracting, 48.5, although it, it really did improve 7%, which is great news. It's moving in the right direction. But we know since um, the numbers came in that the Omicron virus um, variant has spread pretty much everywhere. Um, and hospitalizations have really spiked in this last week. In fact, St. Louis, where I'm located, um, yesterday, the largest health system came out and said that they were postponing elective surgeries uh, elective procedures that required an overnight stay to preserve their beds and the ICU. And today they came out and canceled everything, even outpatient procedures. So what we're hearing is that, you know, the combination of having sick patients in the hospital, staff who have now been exposed to Omicron and are having to um, quarantine or are unable to work, uh, coupled with low staffing to begin with, we're hearing not just in the St. Louis region, but across the country that hospitals are having to postpone electives again, reposition staff that maybe would have been doing surgeries and they're now trying to help out in ICUs and on medical units taking care of COVID patients. Nancy, does that kind of cancellation include people who need chemo treatments? You know, that's going to vary, but generally, um, chemo treatments, they put a high priority on continuing those. It could impact and would impact, say, someone that needs to have a tumor removed. So, I mean, this impacts 
procedures when they called them elective, you know, you think of something very benign, but the definition really means can it be postponed for four weeks? If they uh, wow, that is uh, such it can be postponed four weeks. We wouldn't necessarily agree with that definition, um, but that's what they use to make that call. Yeah, it's certainly concerning. And in the notes that I read, or the comments that I read from your respondents, uh, nobody's uh, very happy about where things are and getting supplies, whether it's PPE or drugs or just things that you need to perform a procedure is really in deep straits. It is. I mean, if we move over and look at the supply numbers, I mean, we're always looking for that little bit of silver lining, right? So supplier deliveries uh, did improve a little bit, but they still are at 74.5. Um, that's 4% better than last month, but still a horribly high number. Um, and we saw the same trend continued that we talked about that hospitals are building inventory, even though they'd say their inventory levels are too high because of these shortages and substitutions. And I'm guessing you saw a comment that I did where one of the hospitals said they were dealing with 70 categories of supplies. That's not an individual supply. That would be a whole category like face masks or needles and syringes and 100 drugs that they're managing shortages of. So the supply chain people are out, you know, looking for acceptable substitutions, trying to locate these products that are in short supply and figure out a way that they can get in um, a different, maybe a different brand, maybe a different manufacturer or a different product that can be used for that purpose to take care of all of these patients was, you know, full. Nancy, is a lot of the supply chain problem because they are importing from overseas or is it a domestic production issue as well? I think you're seeing some of both, but significant number of supplies come from overseas. Um, and even if the, if the finished good is, is maybe you know, put together in the US, a lot of the raw materials for that good, the materials for that drug, are from overseas. So we're still seeing um, that snarl of, of uh, the ports and trying to get the supplies from the ports into trucks and, and where they belong. Kind of, you know, when the manufacturing report that came out this month, they, they were seeing a little bit of improvement, but we're definitely still seeing a lot of struggle there. And now we're compounding that with the contagious nature of the Omicron variant. So a lot of concern that we're going to see, um, you know, more labor disruptions in the next 30 days because of that. So although, you know, we'd like to say, you know, we see things improving, I don't think we see them improving in the short term. I would agree, and you brought up labor, and I know we've discussed before, but I want to bring it up again to our listeners, that the healthcare industry is an industry where there is extreme stress and fatigue. It's not 
necessarily an area where you're seeing a lot of happy outcomes. And so people are burning out, calling out, and resigning at record rates. How is the industry coping? You know, I think that everybody's doing the best they can. I think that you're seeing um, hospitals trying to provide uh, mental health counseling and services to help people. On the opposite end, you're seeing uh, nursing schools and training uh, facilities aggressively recruiting to try and fill that pipeline. But, you know, when, when people are to so much death and dying, from their perspective, you know, so many of these people are unvaccinated and, and necessary deaths. I mean, today on the news, they were saying the death rate was down a little bit, but, um, you know, how, how do you help people get through that? Um, and that's why you're seeing this need to cancel a lot of procedures or push them because, you know, people need breaks. We just don't have enough staff. So we're, you know, filling in and um, doing the best they can, but it's not long-term sustainable. And that's where I think everybody's very worried. And I'm glad there are people out there, forward thinking people that are still trying to say to people, you know, this is a work career to recruit people and caregivers, whether they're clinical or the support staff that's so critically important to doing this. We've got to have our, our dietitians and our food service workers and our uh, housekeeping custodial workers, our supply chain techs to service the caregivers to take care of the patients. Uh, yes, I would agree. I was surprised to read in the comments where one of the respondents said that they were competing with the hiring bonuses and wages at fast food outlets. Right. That was a surprising comment. Well, you know, you think about if, if you're working in food service, if, if your job is to take trays to patients on the floor and you're being exposed to COVID and you're under all of that stress and you can make more money at McDonald's, some people are gonna take that trade off. Others are going to feel the mission and the, you know, maybe the long-term benefits. And, you know, there's a lot of things that healthcare offers that you don't get. But if you're only looking at, you know, I can make 50 cents more and I'm in a, a less stressful environment, you know, we have to be realistic about that we have to compete with that. It's amazing that uh, our healthcare system uh, has such, has such an steel that we didn't expect. What's the industry doing? And I know that you and I have chatted on it before. And what's the government doing as they look at this and saying, well, we've got to maybe alter, modify, or fix how healthcare provides its services and support them in new ways? You know, I think that um, I think there are efforts going on. There are some public-private partnerships looking at how we improve the national stockpile, how we communicate, things like that. But I think we have to be honest, we're in the midst of a fast-moving pandemic. I think that it's all hands on deck to deal with the short term. I, I know, you know there have been comments, there were advisors to the president came out with today saying, you know, we need to put more effort on the future and focusing on how do we live with this virus. Um, 
and I don't think anybody would argue with that, but I also think when you're in the midst of it, it's, it's hard to step away and how many resources can you put on that? So I think that my, my opinion is it's still more aspirational that we're gonna be you know, putting together some really good plans and improving our long-term. I think we will, but I think right now, we've got to be focused on how do we get through the next 30, 60, 90 days? Well, I guess I would agree with that, Nancy. I, I remember President Trump when he was in office describing this as a war. And clearly, if you're in the midst of, for example, a naval battle with guns blazing, you're not trying to figure out your supply chain. You're just figuring out how to win that particular battle. So it's a tough spot for the healthcare industry to be in. It is. It is. You know, I think that, um, you know, the good news is continue to rely on and uh, have so many dedicated people that are really, really committed to trying to improve their communities and take care of their fellow man. Um, again, I think we've got to figure out how we get everybody to be a part of that, not just workers, but everybody doing everything they can to prevent this um, you know, from going further and in, in impacting even more people. So let's talk about the report itself for a minute, which for those people who are interested, you can find all the reports the ISM does at ismworld.org, some excellent information. And by the way, the purchasing managers index, the number that we're talking about being above 50 or below 50 has been very reliable for four decades. I know a company that has been following it for that long, and it right. does reflect what's happening in the economy. So in your report, as opposed to manufacturing or services, when above 50 is good, in your report, above 50 is not necessarily good. Well, I think that, um, yeah, one of the challenges with white hospital and the hospital industry that's different from manufacturing and, and most services is that volume does not necessarily translate into profit um, because of the way that hospitals are paid um, and that kind of thing. It looks at patient mix, insurance types, et cetera. Um, there is another organization called Kaufman Hall that does a lot of, of studying of in terms of expenses and profit margins, et cetera. And um, their report just came out. I was going to look here real quick. Um, and they were saying that, you know, labor costs per adjusted discharge, and that's a, that's a metric that's used uh, to approximate volume in hospitals, uh, is up 26.4% over November 2019 compared to November of 2021. Uh, Non-labor up 20.5. So there's a lot of pro uh, pressure on hospital margins. And that's made worse by, you know, if we looked at this month's report, pricing is still growing. Um, it did get a little bit better overall. Uh, prices came in at 67.5 and it was down seven and a half percent. So that is a good sign. And that was driven primarily by supplies, which came in at 69 versus 74.5. Pharmacy was up again, you know, uh, we've just seen, you know, no different than we saw in manufacturing reporter services. Those price indexes are just putting incredible pressure um, on the hospital industry. Um, we see, you know, the the impact of all the substitution and shortages in the order metric 
which is kind of unique to hospitals. That is because for a lot of that PPE and those basic supplies, hospitals get those through a distributor and they have processes set up where products can be automatically ordered and restocked based on their par levels. Um, if a substitution is required, then somebody's got to touch that order. They've got to do something. Touchless orders came in at contracting 0.5, 5.5% worse. So all of those metrics are in the report are really kind of supporting our conversation that we're still seeing out of disruption in the supply chain. Um, one of the other metrics that was interesting, and we've before Tim has been the idea that of case mix index, and that's a metric in hospitals. How sick are those patients that we're taking care of? And you know, we've been watching it. We watch it every month, and it doesn't usually move more than a percentage or two. It's a fairly stable metric. But this month, that went up to fifty nine. It went up three and a half percent, and it's the highest for twenty twenty one. So it reinforces that idea that we are really seeing very sick patients. It hasn't been that high since December of twenty. So um, yeah, the report metrics really confirm the anecdotal stories we hear, the comments from the panelists about, you know, the pressures of the volumes. Um, and we've definitely seen that continue in January. So I, I expect the report by the end of January is going to be kind of more of the same. A lot of volume pressures, still supply disruptions, and a lot of challenges with employment. Strikes me as interesting about this report, Nancy, uh, contrary to what you hear in the media, which is, yes, Omicron is out there, but the symptoms are less severe. Uh, it's more widespread, but it may be less of a concern, is that that is not what the healthcare industry is experiencing. That's right. And the, the problem is, it's kind of the basic math. So it may be less severe, but if 10 times more people are being infected and it's only half as severe, that's still a huge number of people that are going to seek help. So, it, you know, it's it's the raw numbers, the kind of the math of large numbers that's really getting us. Um, you know, it's great and we're thankful that the, the death rate seems to be lower. Um, but the demand on hospitals is significant. And I think that that message is getting lost a little bit, although more and more you're hearing it in the starting to hear it in the media as hospitals you know, we're postponing electives, we're, you know, we're full. Um, a couple of hospitals have closed their ICUs um, and are having to divert patients to other hospitals. So yeah, it is a serious story. And I think it's one that, you know, seems to be a lesson we have to keep relearning is that first you get the infection, then the hospitals lag, the hospitalizations lag, deaths lag from that. So just because it's, as severe, if we have a lot of people being impacted, it's going to hurt the hospitals. Yes, no doubt. And I was also surprised to read in your respondent comments that the hospital bed shortage is, is so severe that some of them are at 110% capacity, which means they're trying to figure out where they can put a gurney to put someone on it to treat right. them. Uh, if some hospitals has experienced 125%, this is not minor, this is a major disruption for the healthcare industry. 
Yes, it is. And it's and it's very broad based. The one little piece of good news that happened recently um, that you may have seen was that the uh, the it's a youth authorization was approved for Pfizer's antiviral pill. And that, you know, if you think of the flu, you think of Tamiflu that they can give to ease symptoms. It's the same concept. It's can be taken at home orally for patients that are at high risk. Now, of course, the supply yet, it's, you know, we've got to work through it. But if we then come up with a treatment that people could take as soon as they had symptoms, you know, that would cut down on the number of people ending up in the hospital, that would be, that would be wonderful. Clearly. Um, Nancy, as you look at uh, this report in the overall, are there any areas in particular you would like to touch on and kind of give some explanation for to our listeners? Because different from um, the manufacturing and services report, the hospital report kind of does a flip on definition. Yeah, I, I think the main things that, you know, we've, we've covered somewhat are the fact that this, um, this idea of business activity doesn't translate into profitability is really critical. Um, you know, um, kind of one of the other one might be, you know, we talk about imports and exports. Exports, really, we don't even cover in the hospital report because that really means a hospital here is providing care in another country, and that's just not not that common, except for places like Cleveland Clinic and some of those imports. Imports came in down a little bit from 53.5. Uh, because so much of the healthcare uh, basic supplies come through distributors, you and I have talked that we watch that import number, but probably the best source of what's going on with imports and exports is the report because they're they're directly engaged in that so that's a metric we don't watch quite as close but a couple of others we talked about the case mix that's a really important thing of how how sick people are we manage days payable out that's a metric of cash flow for hospitals and how fast the uh, their suppliers are getting paid that was stable at 47.5. So you were seeing comments about trying to um, clear out, get uh, accounts payable down year end. A lot of hospitals have a year calendar fiscal year. And then I think technology spend is our other unique metric for the hospital. And that's where we're saying, you know, okay, are hospitals in a position where they can invest in new technologies, capital equipment, expansion? And last month I had told you I wouldn't be surprised if that went into contraction mode because of all of the focus of the COVID. It didn't, it stayed at 52, but that's one we'll watch because normally that's a lever the hospitals will pull if, if they're seeing a lot of stress on expenses, which we are, then they're gonna back off on that, that technology spend, again, to just focus more on the today issue. So that's one we'll watch for January. Okay, and again, for those of you who are listening or watching, we cover reports from the Institute for Supply Management every month during the first business week of the month. We do the manufacturing report, the services report, and the hospital report. This one I particularly enjoy because this is real boots on the ground, grassroots information that you generally don't hear in the mainstream media. 
This is more of the real story of what's happening. Nancy, I want to thank you again for taking the time and thank the Institute for having you join us on Manufacturing Talk Radio. You're welcome, Tim. I look forward to talking to you next month. And we hope it's a better report next month, but as you said, it may be more of the same. We'll see. Okay. And thank you, everyone, for listening to this episode of Manufacturing Talk Radio. We encourage you to go to ismworld.org to get more information or to understand what the Institute does. And while you're surfing the web, please visit us at jacketmediaco.com, where we post all of these episodes along with other shows that we do. And again, thank you for joining us for this episode of Manufacturing Talk Radio. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.